our world is at a peak of stress and looks like it's going to go a little farther and we're all being stretched. You know, we're all being stretched. Even people that have basically regulated systems are being stressed in, in the current environment that we live in with the bombardment of toxins from the air, from the water and the soil and the, the psychological and emotional constant fear mongering in our media. And it's just stretches all of our window of tolerance. So I just want to encourage people to work with that, with me or others that they can find to help them manage that, to come into enough of a balance within themselves, and most importantly, then connecting with our deeper source within us that, that we need not only to survive through this, but to transform our world, which is absolutely necessary right now. So how are we going to transform the world from a sense of a separate false identity. We can't. That's the problem. That is the problem. So we have to go beyond that. Life is saying, go beyond this or else. Go beyond this now. And you can. Lynn-Marie Lumiere is a non-dual psychotherapist and has been one of a small group of cutting-edge pioneers developing this field of psychology since the 1990s. She's got over 40 years of psycho-spiritual exploration and transformational experience and she works with clients one-on-one and in groups from around the world specializing in awakened relating work she's been a contributing author and co-author of several books and she is most recently the author of her own book awakened relating a guide to embodying undivided love in intimate relationships, which was published in 2018. What drew me to Lynn Marie and her work was the multifaceted approach to psychotherapy she adopts, giving equal weight and attention to both nervous system and physiological regulation and healing, to the deeper recognition of our true non-dual nature through meditative pointing out and inquiry and to the need for us to work through our psychological conditioning, our wounding, our developmental trauma. None of these alone, in her opinion, are sufficient to experience complete psychological and existential wholeness and well-being. So it's the weaving of this complex dance of modalities and approaches that makes her work unique and fascinating and I really hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. I think it may be a good place to start would be to discuss what's different about your approach. So you're a psychotherapist but you're a non-dual psychotherapist. So would you be able to speak to that briefly just to illustrate what's different about this kind of approach? I'll do my best. I've been involved in the, it's really an exploration of non-dual wisdom and psychotherapy. You can't really say it's a, a method or a theory like all the other psychological methods and theories. And, and that's because it includes something that's a mystery. It includes something that is not, we're not able to nail down into a theory or, or a method and because of that, it, it, that's the first thing that's very different from all the other schools 
in, in psychology. And I've been in that exploration since the beginning. I was one of the first pioneers in a group that included John Prendergast. And we did the first conference, I think it was 1998, in California. And then we proceeded to do more conferences each year, in the early 2000s, I believe. It was non-dual wisdom and psychotherapy. And, and I spoke at that and I coordinated a number of those. So I was very involved from the very beginning. I felt quite passionate about it because the main, the center of my life and my most deepest intention is to wake up as a human being, you know, to wake up to my deepest nature and to embody that in my life. So it naturally came into my work because it was blended together for me. You know, my, the psychological work that I was doing personally to work with my own conditioning that was problematic or my traumas, it came together with my awakening process that I was constantly working with both of them. So I brought that into my practice just as I was bringing it deeply into my life. They, they blended together. And it is a, the difference, you ask, what is the difference? It's, I guess you could say it's, if you could say it was part of any school, it would be transpersonal, but it's not even so much that, because I did study transpersonal psychology, and that includes the fact that we have a higher consciousness. Some transpersonal writings say that we have a, a center of core of pure consciousness, and that's what we are, and then there's the ego, so on, and that most psychology just works with the ego personality, and transpersonal includes the the higher consciousness. So it is in that realm in a way. It is in the realm of transpersonal psychology. But it's on its own because it's it really is not so much we have a higher consciousness, but there there really isn't a there isn't an ego structure that we need to function, but there isn't really a solid fixed self there. A solid fixed self that has agency to to do anything about anything we're we're operating really from a from that center core of pure consciousness that i i heard about and when i studied transpersonal psychology and that i so deeply wanted to discover and so it includes that you know there really isn't that there but at the same time you know our conditioning is there our bodies have been traumatized we we believe negative things about ourselves all of this you know, imbalances us and makes it difficult to quiet down and move through fear and be able to relax in ourselves enough to experience that center core of pure consciousness that's already here, that's within every human being. There isn't anybody that doesn't have that. And that pure consciousness is, is pure love. The deeper you go into it, you discover, you know, that it's, it's just made of peace and pure love, and wisdom, and all the good things that we seek everywhere else, right? And it's already and always okay, and it's here. And we're operating as if it's not here. So in, in my work, it's, it's really about touching into that. It's not just that we have that, but to really directly experience that, to know that through direct experience. And I believe that it's not just beneficial you know, we could say it's beneficial to do that if we're involved in a psychological healing process. 
I think it's essential. And so I, I feel like, you know, here's this little non-dual, you could say tiny branch of transversal psychology that's it's so nascent in the world and it's so new. There's just a small group of us that are really committed to it. And I really truly believe that's not too outrageous of a statement to make. I think it's essential to be in touch with our with our deeper nature in order to get beyond all of this conditioned identity and the way it has been wounded and the way it has been so imbalanced in the imbalanced world we live in because the world we live in is operating out of that sense of a separate someone that's disconnected from their source. So how could things go well with that? You know, they don't. And we can look at our world and see that, right? We can look at our world and see that it's very, very much out of balance. And so are each one of us because of that. And the kind of parenting we had because our parents didn't have the right kind of parenting and on and on. So that does need some repair. We can't spiritual practice ourselves out of that, you know, that there, we, do, we do need to do that. And we can't just say, well, there's nobody there. There's nobody there that got wounded, so I don't have to do anything with that. That's kind of a, a misunderstanding that has bounced around at times in the non-dual spiritual world, you know, that we do have to work with it. Yeah, so that's a kind of bypassing, I guess. Yes, yes. And, and a lot of people do that. I mean, I think many people that are, are really struggling in themselves emotionally and tend to go towards spiritual practice, believing that that will be the way through that. And I did that myself, you know, in my in my 20s. I would meditate many hours a day, very, very deeply involved in the spiritual community that I had living with and, you know, just absorbed in it. I was going to get beyond my deeper emotional pain through spiritual work. And it, and it only brought, brought it up more because I was, you know, diving inside and quieting down and it would just bring it up more. And, and my first therapist was somebody who was transpersonal. And she told me that I, you have to address your trauma. You have to address your psychological issues. So I dove into that with the same ferocity that I did the spiritual practice and stayed, you know, in, intensely involved in both that were completely interconnected and intertwined for me. So for my work, it's, it just comes naturally to work that way. Yeah. It sounds so lovely for you to realize that so early on in your in your career and your path as a as a healer and a psychologist to to just immediately notice the necessity of that synergy i think it's a necessity because how can we get out of that quagmire of conditioning from within it you know it's just simple common sense you know we can't do it we need to access something that's already beyond that and that's already okay and that can witness that and has the agency to do something with it you know, to transform it, to allow it mainly, to fully allow it. Everything else we do is not allowing it. It's trying to get out of it in some way, fix it, avoid it, work with it, right? And that just keeps us entrenched in it and, and more identified with it. So one of the voices I have is in this exploration of non-dualism and psychotherapy is that it is actually essential. It's not just a nice addition, you know, and so with my, my clients, I do my best to point to this deeper nature. I don't believe that, you know, there's anybody who can't do it. You know, some people are maybe not, not ready to do that. 
And so I work with helping them get to a place where maybe they're ready. But mostly I work with people that come to me because of where I'm coming from, that have some openness to that or already have some connection to it. And I always work with it, you know, deepen into that. And and from there, meet the the deeper hurts inside and the belief systems that we have that limit us and keep us in a false identity. Yeah. Maybe interesting to discuss that those people that do have difficulty maybe contacting that deeper self and 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 recognizing awareness recognizing presence within them and 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 beyond and that's how we got in contact that i was i've been very interested in various trauma processing modalities and how they intersect with with non-dual practice and with non-dual approaches to healing and i was really excited to come across how actively you were blending these two and it, it just feels so kind of cutting edge in that sense so maybe you could speak to that in terms of maybe it's good to frame that within trauma for example sometimes we have to take a different approach to trauma healing in order to be relaxed enough to open yes in the, in the, in, the, in the spiritual world in general including the non-dual spiritual community which i've been in for like 30 years, <laughs> you know, I've seen it all and done it all, you know, so I see that there, there is a, a, there has been a fair amount of denial of working with the psychological self, right? It's, it, that hasn't been the focus. It's been, the focus is direct contact with our deeper nature. And we start from there. And once we make direct contact with that, then the practice is resting as that, Right. And then as we rest as that, we meet or allow everything that comes up within our humanness to be as it is. And that's what allows it to transform and embody. That's kind of a nutshell of, you know, what I've, what I've learned from, from that approach. But what I, what I found out in myself, and I saw in many other people, was that, that the, you can recognize the aware presence that's always here. It's just always here. We're a human being. We can recognize the being part of that. We, we, we have the capacity to directly know that. But I could see that it was complicated. It was difficult. It was challenging for me to rest as that because of traumas that I've had in my life. And I believe that everybody on this planet, if you're alive on planet Earth, you've had some trauma. But most people think, oh, I don't have trauma because... They think it only means big abuse, like physical, emotional, sexual abuse, rape, war, being, you know, in war, you know, things like that. But there are, there's, you know, countless ways that, that we are traumatized in this world because of the reasons I said earlier, this world's out of balance. So we all have this in varying degrees. And when we have that in our system, our system you know, our nervous system, our autonomic nervous system becomes more chronically activated in sympathetic arousal. And that, that directly affects the rest of our body, which is intimately interconnected. It's just one whole. It first goes to the immune system. It goes to all the different systems, the digestive system, and imbalances all of that. And that's actually the primary cause of all chronic illness, which is another 
passion of mine is speaking about that because it's not known. It's not generally understood that the nervous system dysregulates. And when that happens, the whole physiology does, and it results in most all of the, the chronic illnesses that we see. And it also results in the mental health issues that we see. Anxiety is chronic sympathetic arousal. That's what that looks like and feels like. And when the system is chronically aroused long enough, then it will shut down out of its own self-preservation. And that looks like depression. In more in extreme versions, looks like dissociation. So it's the mental health issues are also associated with that. So once I realized that, I realized I really had to work on that in myself. I had difficulty resting as awareness. You know, when your your system is in chronic stress activation, and so many, many, many people now are living in that, they don't even know. You know, they don't, they don't know the difference. They visit maybe the more parasympathetic, ventral vagal, resting, digesting side, but live mostly on the more sympathetically aroused side. And when we live, when we live like that, then we, we're, our system is an alert for danger. It's a self-preservation mechanism. So it's living in danger, even though there's no immediate danger. It, it can't relax. It goes against, you're, you're fighting against a self-preservation system that, that needs to address danger when you're trying to relax out of that and out of vigilance and be quiet inside. You know, it's, it's a struggle. So I met up with that struggle in myself and, and sought to work with that. And it really wasn't until the 90s that we started to learn more about the nervous system and trauma, started to have methods that offered something that could really help with that, such as EMDR came in in about the early 90s. That's eye movement, desensitization, reprocessing. And then somatic experiencing the work of Dr. Peter Levine, who I studied with in the early 2000s who studied the physiology of trauma that I just described a little bit with the nervous system for over 50 years. So he's one of the leading trauma experts, and I studied with him. And uh, then that, that changed everything for me because I saw there was ways, finally, to bring more regulation and balance into the nervous system and become more resilient and therefore have more capacity to rest and allow everything to be as it is. My primary teacher for at least 20 years was Ajashanti, and that was his main teaching in a nutshell was, you know, rest as awareness and allow everything to be as it is. Now, that sounds so simple, and it is so simple. It is as simple as you can get, but it complicate, gets complicated when we're, we're endeavoring to do that, which we can't really do. We have to rest in what already is doing it. <laughs> but but to even do that with a system that's dysregulated and, and the physiology and the emotions and the and the mind and the negative beliefs and perceptions, the storm is going on. So that that really needs to be worked with. And the more that we have contact with that deeper, aware, powerful presence, the more capacity we have. So they work together. We build the capacity through the physiology, through being with emotions that we're blocking, all the ways in which we 
imbalance our system, gives us more capacity, more resilience, more ability to relax and allow everything to be as it is. The more we know the awareness that already is doing that, the more capacity we have. So they, they really work together. And I learned from my, most, my own experience and for many people I've worked with that if they only only do the spiritual work, even if they have awakened to that presence and even have some stability in it, they still keep destabilizing if they're not working with the other issues that I talked about. So to me, it is really for any dedicated spiritual practitioner or seeker of knowing the deeper truth of ourself and really integrating and embodying that is necessary. So that's what I do in my work and in my webinars and retreats and everything that I teach is, is a blend of that. My retreats are a blend of, of, of meditation and spiritual pointing and doing some real psychological and somatic healing work. And would that be the same in terms of your one-to-one work with clients? You, you're always, always blending them at the same time. Yes, I, I am. And just as I said in the beginning, it's, it, it, it's a moving, evolving process. It's non-dual, bringing on non-dual wisdom into psychotherapy. That's why we can't pin it down. You know, that's like in the book I wrote called Awakened Relating, where I bring in how to work with relational work, wounding and trauma, which we all have. Most of our wounding is relational, you know, early in our life. And how to bring that into to healing in relationship, how that comes up in relationship and to bring this into that, into into being with these triggers and that we come up against in, in relationship. And uh, the publisher I had asked me to make in the back of the book like a chart for what awakened relating is in, uh, as a method in a structured, you know, procedure as a method. I said, I can't do that. And I went through quite a lot trying to explain to them that I can't do that because it's a it's a living process that comes out of the moment spontaneously, differently for each person, each moment. And the same is true for what you could call non-dual psychotherapy. It's it's alive in the moment and it's different each moment for each person. Yeah. So I and when people call me and say, How do you work? What do you do? How do you do your sessions? You know, I have to say something like this. Because it's the other aspect of the difference between non-dual psychotherapy and traditional psychotherapy is ideally the therapist is working from that center core. The therapist is awake to that. That's another piece I forgot to mention. So I said I'm pointing it to it in my clients, but ideally the therapist as much as possible is sitting in that beingness themselves and trusting it and allowing it and allowing whatever comes to come from there, which will use my knowledge and my skills and my experience, but it's coming from there. So that's another very significant difference, whereas a traditional therapist is not necessarily doing that, right? They're coming from a learned method and theory, most likely, many of them, and they're operating, they're working with the ego personality only. That's a big difference. Yeah, and and they're working from a set protocols essentially and what you're describing in that in a non-dual therapist's ability to rest in an as presence is is essentially opening and holding that space yeah that's huge that's really huge because that that provides a safety like nothing else 
And safety is very significant in healing all of this. So much of our wounding comes from growing up environments that didn't feel safe, right? In some way or another. And we need to feel safe to also to let go of our grip on that vigilance, you know, that our system is kind of stuck in a self-preservation mode. Then to let go of that, I work with people where I have to work a lot to relax that because they, they're scared to let go of the vigilance. You know, so we need safety. Now that presence provides a safety that that, that no ego identity can do, right? That you can't do that. And then at the same time, though, it's very, very important for the therapist's nervous system to be regulated. And that's not always true. So that's one of the reasons I really worked on that myself, because there was a study they did on what is the most effective thing in, in psychotherapy. Well, of course, the relationship, you know, but then they, they really researched what aspect of the relationship is most beneficial, is most uh, therapeutic and helpful. And what they came up with surprised me because it's, it's really true, which is co-regulation. Yeah. That we are so connected with each other, right? And our nervous system, our energetic system, our beingness is just one thing. And if the therapist is dysregulated in the nervous system, they cannot co-regulate the client. But if they are, just that presence of that system, you know, will start bringing the client into a more regulated place. And the, and they decided that in this study that that's the main thing happening. That's not verbal. That's not, that's aside from any methods they're using, you know, you know, none of that is, is primary. What was primary is the relationship and primarily the co-regulation, which would include somebody sitting in a deeper presence, which would emanate a certain kind of vibration of energy that comes from love. Yeah. So what could be more healing than that? So I, I feel that it, it's crucial both. Again, they're intertwined. The therapist needs to be regulated. And at the same time, you know, as much as possible, sitting in that beingness themselves. That takes it to another level, you know. Absolutely. There's a, just a whole different level of depth to that, isn't there? But yeah. I think I can feel that in my body as we talk about it. But this co-regulatory neuroceptive feel that we can hold for clients. I, what I found that's interesting about working with clients from presence is, is it works both ways. There is a deepening, you know, it's very easy for me to rest in presence when I'm holding space for a client. There's something about that that kind of unlocks an extra potency almost in my own practice it does and, and it, it we we come together and it accentuates it in each other it's that two or more rule that the bible mentioned you know that somehow that brings it out more it brings it out more in me and then it brings it out more in them and if they already have some recognition of that you know it comes out really strongly and even if they don't they have a sense of something inside you know that's okay yeah and it can it can accentuate it in me, which is is very good. You know that helps us both. We were talking about this when we when we communicated via email before. The I think 
this sounds so cutting edge in terms of there's a unfolding trauma awareness now, which is finally, you know, working on, for example, on the shoulders of people like Peter Levine, etc. Gabor Mate, for example, you know, the the work that's out there now in in more mainstream awareness. And at the same time, there's definitely an explosion in in at least mindfulness, but also in non-dual direct approaches to spiritual awakening. And yet there still seems to be not very much intersection there. I, I, I guess the question would be what you've noticed that has changed from when you were pioneering this work in the in the 90s through to now in terms of working with trauma yeah and just generally how that intersection you know you've spoken a little bit to the non-dual community waking up to having to deal with their psychology right but just that that interplay generally you know how how the trauma world perhaps is waking up to non-duality i wouldn't say the trauma world is waking up to non-duality no, okay. I wouldn't say that. No, <laughs> no. <clears throat> and I have spoken to Peter Levine about the, the spiritual. He he does see the connection between working with trauma and, and having more of a spiritual understanding or awakening. He has some understanding of that because of his work with it. And how he said he, he defined trauma once as the inability to be present with what is. So that's pretty significant the inability to be present with what is. And what do we have to do to wake up for the truth? Be present with what is, right? So pretty significant. So he, he sees that that work is can allow people to be present with what is that then opens up a more spiritual understanding and experience. Yeah. But it the so there's some of that. There's some of that, you know, with Gabor Mate and Thomas Hubble and and those people that are out there talking about trauma, I wouldn't say they were necessarily non-dual or really speaking about that directly, right? So I don't think the the, uh, the trauma world's woken up to that so much. I'm pretty alone, pretty much a lone pioneer in that at this point, mm. as far as I know. Yeah. So how does that feel to be a lone pioneer in that? <laughs> well, it's- well, it's, it's, I'm an Aquarius, you know, I've always been kind of a head of the, head of the game, head of the herb all my life. And my book, Awakened Relating, is definitely cutting edge. And that's, you know, so far ahead. It's like, you know, I've said to my non-dual colleagues, John and the others, you know, that book will probably hit, hit the mainstream maybe in 10 years, 20 years, <laughs> you know, so I tend to be that way. I'm used to it. And you, are you fairly relaxed about that? reality it can get frustrating sometimes because i see the i see the need for it you know i see the yeah. suffering in, in in the need for that intersection and even my non-dual colleagues you know we've all kind of found our own way with this because of the nature of it it's not a set method so we've all just kind of found our own way and they're not all working with trauma in the way that I am. And maybe they're not all doing more direct pointing with with the clients like I am. We, we, we all work with it a little bit differently. Yeah. 
is that just as you were saying the nature of the in the moment work but that's the nature of presence is that it's not pigeonholable enough to to you know stand alone as a wing of psychology or or, or would you hope to see non-dual psychotherapy and non-dual psychology becoming its own field i think we were interested in that for a while and there was a period of time where there was a a, a journal you know like a real professional journal online that john put together john prendergast and i wrote a piece in there that i i made in psychological language like a psychological study something you would put in a journal about healing attachment, insecure attachment in the in the ultimate secure base. You know, so we 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 attempted to do that and now it's we don't no longer have the journal and it's just kind of all just evolving in us individually. Um I don't think that we can establish it in that way because you know they want studies abstracts, research, you know, statistics, things like that, that that can't be provided with this because it's just coming out of an infinite wisdom spontaneously, moment by moment, ideally, you know, and we're not all doing that every moment, I don't sure. think, but, but we're as much as possible. So how can you, how can you put that in a study? It goes beyond that. It goes beyond the realm of that, the whole realm of psychology that does that. And there's a, a another leading trauma researcher, Bessel van der Kolk, who wrote a book, you know, The Body Keeps the Score. And I did a weekend workshop with him and ended up at a lunch table with him during the lunch and was discussing this. I was discussing what I do with the, the non-dual wisdom, the interface between the spiritual core that we are and healing the trauma. And he listened intently, you know, he just kind of nodded his head and and I thought maybe he was getting, you know, something. And then he, he looked at me and he said, show me the research. <laughs> I don't think I can do that. And I was yeah. like, oh, darn, you know. Mm. He said, show me the research. So it's just not in that realm. Yeah. And maybe that's okay. You're a practitioner yeah. and that's, you see every day the benefit of your work you get the immediate feedback of of the response from clients you know their healing and their growth and their development so yes yes i can see the more that i sit as that which has evolved of course over the whole 30 years i've been doing this when i first started working with this interface it was more conceptual which is the way it was and then it became more experiential, and then it, it's deepened over time. And same with the clients. In the beginning, maybe I would be lucky if I had one, you know, really lucky if I got two clients that could respond to this at all. Now it's mostly what I'm working with is clients that have some understanding, some experience of this. So things are really evolving, you know, in our world. The consciousness on this planet is evolving very quickly. It, it needs to right now. And so I'm, I'm definitely seeing that over the 30 years I've been working with people and in myself. And so I meet people where they're at. Mostly they have, if they come to me, they have some indication of this. 
but so I bet I meet with them where they're at. And some people have glimpses, you know, so we work with glimpses and then I have to do with some people a lot of the more psychological work, a lot of the trauma methods like the EMDR, the flash techniques that came out of EMDR, the somatic experiencing to regulate their system. The emphasis of the work has to be on that at first. It depends on the person, right? And then there are people that have enough awake awareness that is stabilized enough that together, because it's amplified together, they can rest as that. And then within that field, they can sustain that field while working with the physiology and the emotions that come up and going deeply into them and insights come while that that's super powerful and it's really awesome that i can actually do that with some people not with everybody but that's where it's going a complete blending of the two yeah sounds amazing but that's your I guess the trajectory you, you'd like to work towards with all clients is just like you say, you, you meet them where they're at. So if they're yes. highly dysregulated, you've got to, you've got to work yeah. on that first because that's so foregrounded in their experience. Right. And when we work on it, it's like in my webinars, I start out with doing exercises that are somatic. They work with the physiology and regulating that and calming that down, getting it more ventral vagal. And then do guided meditation that takes in pointing to this deeper aware presence within us, our nature. So we start start there, and then I'll do something like the flash techniques, which comes out of EMDR, where we focus on something positive. You know, like we go to a beautiful beach and we get involved in the imagery of that while we do the bilateral stimulation. And they've learned that that, that that processes things on a subconscious level. If you get the conscious mind out of the way, it works better. Yeah. So because I'm getting the conscious mind out of the way and I'm not focusing on the trauma, it's not the focus of the attention, I can do it with a whole group. So I do that in, in the webinars where we work on the negative beliefs, mostly the traumatic memories, the beliefs that something's wrong with me and so on. So I'm working body, mind, and and spirit, so body, mind, and consciousness. But after doing something like the flash or the regulatory exercises, I always then go into what's here when that all calms down. What was always here? I always go there. I'd love to pick your brains a bit more about the, the your work with flash, if that's okay. That's something that's yeah. really interesting me at the moment. I've actually... I've now done the training with Philip Manfield. Oh, oh good. So, and I will start to bring it into my coaching work. So just to clarify for listeners, flash is a technique that's come out of EMDR, as you say, but it's now beginning to be recognized as a standalone process. And the point of it is to help process and take the disturbance out of traumatic memories and you're also saying to work with core negative beliefs as well right they call it negative cognitions yeah so the way that's facilitated is that a client doesn't actually have to spend much time focusing on the either the disturbing trauma or the negative cognition they bring it very tangentially into their working memory and then and then they're asked to focus on 
a really positive, engaging experience or something that they're passionate about. And and this bilateral stimulation you were talking about is actually tapping on on the thighs, right. for example, left and right thigh. And why is that? Is it that's to do with hemisphere activation, is it? Yeah, it's stimulating the right and left hemispheres, alternating. It started with moving the eyes back and forth. And some people still do better with moving the eyes back and forth or rather than, you know, like tapping their thighs. There is equipment that I used to use when I saw people mostly in person before the pandemic where we had you hold buzzers in your hand or you put headphones on, beep, beep, beep. It's stimulating the right and left hemispheres of the brain. This is something that has been researched a lot. Was developed EMDR was developed by Francine Shapiro, who was a cognitive behavioral research psychologist. <laughs> so if it wasn't for that, it probably never would have hit the mainstream. She did a lot of research. And there's something about uh, information processing system as part of our nervous, central nervous system that when we have trauma, it gets stuck and things don't move through. They keep getting re-stimulated over and over again, and we all experience that. Somehow the bilateral stimulation jump-starts that processing, you know, it gets it unstuck. That's really <laughs> unscientific way of saying it, but, you know, it's something like that in her research yeah. that she discovered, and, and then it will start to process. So if we, we do that, and then we learned over time, thanks to Phil Manfield, they've done a lot of, lot of research. On, about the flash and discovered over time that when we focus our conscious mind on the trauma, it stimulates the amygdala in the trauma centers. And then it's very hard for the brain to process anything because it's in trauma activation. I'm sorry it took them this long to figure it out, but I'm grateful they did. That if you get the conscious mind out of the way, it will process on a deeper level. And that makes it much easier for the person and it's more effective and I've been doing it since 1992, so I know what regular EMDR did and what this does, and it works much faster and much better. Just, just very quickly to come back to this, the the group dynamic. Then, how you work with Flash with a group? We talked about how you address developmental trauma and these negative cognitions that arise out of that. How would you work with a group that, if you were so so you're not necessarily working with individual disturbing memories, but you're working with negative core beliefs people hold about themselves. Disturbing memories too. Yeah. Yeah. But can you work without the memory? So to give an example, there's something wrong with me or I'm not good enough. Most of us carry something like that around yeah. as a as a a mantra that may be subconscious often, but but we act from and we respond to the world from those. So how, how do you work with those in, a, in that kind of group setting? How do I work with the negative cognitions? Yeah. Well, let's see if I can think of it. Because like, again, I don't do a, a set structure. Yeah, I'm trying to pin you down to a protocol now, aren't I? So. General, I do. I've been doing for, since the beginning of the pandemic, you know, monthly webinars on this you know people are sharing you know after i do the somatic exercises to regulate the nervous system and then guided meditation people share you know what they're working with and i work with them individually so as we're as we're sharing in the first half of the of the the webinar you you start to glean what the issue is that the person's working with 
And when I work with them, I say, okay, for you, for you in the second half of the webinar, when we do flash, this will be your target. You know, because it, it comes the belief like some, uh, I'm not safe, something's wrong with me, whatever the belief can come out, or something that is a traumatic memory that's being triggered in the life right now, or some kind of emotional experience is really blocked. I mean, they, they, I glean from what they're sharing with me, say, this will can be your target, you know? Yeah. So they each have an individual target. It might be a memory, might not be a memory, might be some, some kind of constriction in the body. Usually it goes along with some kind of negative belief and it's associated, it's associated with, with experience. You usually get in the childhood. So if it is a negative belief, the that's the only target. Well, the negative belief, and then I don't feel safe. But then that's usually associated with some way they're not feeling safe in their life right now, and some discussion of you know how that goes back to the childhood. You know what's bringing that up. You know uh, where that piece of conditioning comes from. So there's a little bit of a discussion about that. So we, we kind of flesh it out enough. They have a handle on it, going out, going into it real deep. Because like you said, yeah. it's in the working memory for some hours there. And so then we can go to the flash. They have their target, let the target go. I have them, you know, like imagine like a waterfall washing it all away. We go to the positive focus. And then yeah. we touch back into it. You know, I have people touch back into the target. Where is it now? Sometimes I'll do like like a sod zero to 10, and then they can put in the chat the number they started with, and then the second number, and then I chat again the, the third number so I can see where they're go where it's going. It's somehow yeah, so SUDS, SUDS is the level of disturbance. The level of disturbance, zero to 10. And so I track that. They'll type in the chat where, where it is. And somehow it works. You know, this is, every once in a while there's people that, you know, or get triggered in some way that I can't work with because I'm working with a whole group. But in general, it's it's working well enough, you know, that I can reach more people in a way that's really needed right now. You've got such a potent mix there, haven't you? Yes, and then once they're all calmed down, see, they, they see like, and they'll say at least some of them, I'll have them put share at the end, see some of them will say, it's all gone, or that is completely like totally not true or, you know, they'll come to that kind of a clarity and then I can take them in. I can say, you know, you can let that can be washed away because it was never true to begin with. And now you're seeing what's more true. And then I can take them even deeper into what's more true because they're not so clouded up with all these things. Yeah. You know, and Phil Manfield did also groups with, First responders, or you know, with the, and you know, the, the healthcare workers working in the pandemic, and he would do group. That's what gave me the idea. He would do groups, but they're not working on their their childhood trauma. I'm working mostly with developmental trauma with people. Yeah, which I would guess is is more difficult to work with. Yes. No. <laughs> Yeah, what I'm doing, I do have colleagues that are like, are you nuts? You know, <laughs> what, I'm to, what I'm trying to do and how many levels I'm working on and, you know, and do it all in three hours and with the whole group. 
but you know, yeah, I'm nuts that way. I just want to, want to help and I'll do the best I can with it. Yeah. But it seems like it's working, which is yeah. incredible. Yeah. 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 It seems very exciting to me as well. And I, I, I think what's really interesting about that is when you are blending it, for example, with this somatic inquiry from presence. So you are noticing when you're able to, like you say, when you're in a, a regulated enough experience in the body that you can rest in the field just as awareness and and as and when difficult emotion or or stored trauma or or these these core negative beliefs arise by allowing them to be they metabolize or begin to process in and of themselves but some of these are very sticky you know the very deep conditioned beliefs or 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 very strong experiences and so combining you know something that seems so effective at really unsticking them in a in a very very quick very easeful very profound way seems amazing you're reducing the interference to being able to contact what is already allowing everything to be and transforming everything there's a lot of interference and some people have very deep trauma. So we can't tell those people. I've heard Nigel teachers do it, but it's not okay to tell people like that to just rest and allow it to be. And when, when I was told that early on in my process, I always felt like I was failing, you know, because I couldn't do what they were asking me to do. And I've seen that happen to other people as well. And then the flip side of that, something that I've noticed with clients is, is maybe they've done some embodied somatic healing work somatic experiencing for example or they've just been taught with this kind of new uh, i guess it's kind of a trend of embodiment you know they've, they've yeah. got good at interoception uh-huh. um and that may be through a spiritual practice like vipassana or something but but generally they've got very good at noticing what's going on inside them and then they're flooded by it yeah that's 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 the dysregulation but then I think what's also interesting to bring into that is that the container that is awareness, that that fundamental safety, that touching into that allows, you know, it's, I'm interested in discussing this. It's almost a catch twenty two, and then it's all, and then yeah. it's also a virtual circle there. Yeah. So, could you just speak to the the other way around, so that discovering that safety in awareness is maybe the fundamental healing move. The fundamental healing move to heal the trauma? Ultimate healing, ultimate safety, ultimate sensation of wholeness can only really come from resting as awareness. Oh, ultimately, yes. Ultimately, yes. And so every every other, this is a radical thing to say, but every other school of psychology and method and theory is limited because it can only go so far. And what I've been interested, I've been blessed to be interested in my life. I want the, I want the real deal. I want the real healing. I wanted the real truth. I wanted, you know, I wasn't going to settle for some limited uh, temporary version of, of, of the healing or of the awakening. 
So I've had a, you know, passionate drive towards that. And that's what's, what took me through all of my own trauma to an extent that's unusual. And then that, that's allowed me to offer a lot to people, you know, at a lot of different levels. Like I said, when I help calm things down with people enough, then point to the deeper truth. So it both takes the circus calming down the interference, but it also can be accessed during the process of the whole trauma process that allows the safety to allow the process to be more facilitated and more successful and more transformative in a way that it can't without it, I don't think. So you you mentioned that the pandemic had kind of switched your work online as it has with the whole world. I'm interested yeah. to know how that's changed your work. Has it at all? How has that process been for you? Well, it seems to be, it seems to be working well. You know, there's, there's some things I can't do that I did before an aspect of somatic experiencing, which has to do with hands-on resourcing with somatic experiencing, we try to resource the nervous system that's overactivated, you know, and some people it's been overactivated since they were in a crib and their parents were told to let them cry or whatever. And they just went into high activation and never got fully out. I know it's terrible, but with situations like that, they needed somebody's hands on their body, you know, I put them on a table and like hold their kidney and their adrenals with my hand. And I would just go into meditation as deeply as I could and transmit the presence through my hands to their body, you know, in silence. And I really miss being able to do that. But other than that, I can, I can do, and then some of somatic experiencing is challenging because they can't see the whole body and so on. But there is still a resonance. There is still that somatic resonance and co-regulation and the energy of beingness and all of that gets transmitted. So it works well enough. It's very interesting that, isn't it? That there doesn't seem to be any, any difference in terms of that field of presence. No, we're still in a field together, you know, somatically, emotionally, energetically, you know, <laughs> and in the greatest field, it's all there, you know. And it, re- and it really makes that, a kind of evidential case for non-locality of that. Right. <laughs> yeah, it definitely, there's no difference in that. There isn't. So it's just, I just can't do the hands-on. Yeah. yeah. And some people need that. Yeah. So how's your work developing now? You're, you're doing a lot of this this group work what's the balance like between your one-to-one work mostly i'm doing one-to-one and i'm in the process next year of launching more more group work more online work where i can reach larger groups of people because you're limited to how many people you can see you know in a week and uh, having some people helping me with that to launch my work to another level to reach larger audiences do courses on this to maybe even you know, like John Prendergast has done, you know, like nine month long things where I can work yeah. with a larger group of people and really work with them more deeply. I'm going to take it to another level next year so I can work with larger numbers of people because I feel this is very needed right now. Our world is at stress levels that are unprecedented and our nervous systems have not evolved to a point where they're 
really able to cope with the levels of of stress that we're working with right now. And it's not looking like it's going to end anytime real soon. So uh, I believe it'll turn around, but we're going to go through some real rough spots before it does. And so people really need help. And so I'm going to reach out. Well, I'm really grateful that you've shared your work with me today and I've learned loads so thank you very I'm so much. grateful for you giving me the opportunity because like you said it's cutting edge I need to you know get it out there and talk about it so yeah. I'm really grateful for that opportunity thank you no you're very welcome so is there anything else you'd like to share before we come to an end well I just want to say that you know our world is like I said is at a peak of stress and looks like it's going to go a little farther and we're all being stretched you know we're all being stretched even people that have basically regulated systems are being stressed in in the current environment that we live in with the bombardment of toxins from the air from the water and the soil and the the psychological and emotional constant fear mongering and you know in our media and the it's just it's just stretches all of our window of tolerance. So I just want to encourage people to work with that with if with me or others that they can find to help them manage that to come into a, enough of a balance within themselves and most importantly then connecting with our deeper source within us that that we need not only to survive through this but to transform our world which is absolutely necessary right now. So how are we going to transform the world from a sense of a separate false identity? We can't. That's the problem. That is the problem. So we have to go beyond that. Life is saying, go beyond this or else. Go beyond this now. And you can. And so I'm on the team that's supporting that and really welcome helping anybody that wants to do that. It's so needed for all of us right now. To find out more about Lynn Marie and her work, as well as to access her books and her courses and events, please visit lynnmarielumiere.com. That's L-Y-N-N-M-A-R-I-E-L-U-M-I-E-R-E.com. I'm Dan McTiernan. I'm a transpersonal psychology coach and an embodied meditation teacher. And together with my wife, Johanna, we run Earthbound, a coaching organization working at the fertile edge between transpersonal psychology, embodiment, and permaculture. To find out more, please visit our website at earthbound.fi.